Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show. This is Steve. We're here with Brett as well. And, guys, it is February 18th. We are um, nipping at the heels of March here. And um, the the Big Ten is, you know, doing weird Big Ten things, as we all expected this time of year. Great way to start off the podcast with by saying the Big Ten's doing weird things, as always. But... We had a lot happen this week. We had a coach get fired. Um, we had a mega upset. Uh, we had bubble teams playing onto and off of the bubble. Uh, but we also had a couple of teams, you know, um, really make some moves uh, in the standings in the conference this week, too. And, you know, it's funny. I feel like we've led the show with really being tempted to to fire someone. Uh, at the start of it, and we finally got it. That being said, we're not going to start out the show talking about who we fired. We're going to start off the show on a positive note because that's what everybody needs at this time of February. And we're going to talk about everyone's favorite Big Ten team, the Michigan State Spartans, that got off to a nice little uh, 2-0 and stretch this week with road wins in Happy Valley and in Ann Arbor. But before we get to the Spartans, Brett, I haven't let you talk yet. How are you feeling heading into today? I'm good. I'm good. I, I was really hoping we'd get get off to a hot start with the fire that guy segment, but I guess that's not in the agenda so far. So um, I will say, yeah, I I think you summed it up pretty well. The Big Ten is doing weird Big Ten things. Um, I saw on a broadcast yesterday, so Saturday, that home teams in conference play are winning uh, at I believe a 72 or 73 percent clip, um, which would obliterate the record uh, of uh, of past you know home team performances. So it is weird. Uh, teams keep winning at home, and uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how the final you know five to six games of of conference season go, kind of across the board with that in mind. And speaking of uh, teams that did the complete opposite of the trend that you just mentioned. We'll transition right back to the Michigan State Spartans that got two road wins this week. And again, you take a look at their wins at Penn State, at Michigan. It's not like they're going on the road and winning at teams in the the top quarter of the conference. Um, and yeah, you know, Penn State without um, without Kanye Clary, you know, Michigan kind of is, is you know, a, a team that sort of lost interest in um, in anything, you know, this year. But Kind of quietly, right? Like Michigan State's doing the thing that they always do under Izzo, where they're starting to play their best best basketball at the time that it is most important. And in my opinion, the key catalyst to this mini run that they've had sort of starts and ends with Malik Hall, who you know had had 29 points on 13 shots in Happy Valley on Tuesday. Also had a big game in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Uh, what have you seen out of Michigan State that either makes you confident that this uh, little run that they put together is for real or um, leaves it a little bit to be desired and makes you think they're still, you know, not not all the way there yet? I think I think it's a little bit of both. Right. I mean, you see, like you said, this stuff happens every year. Like Izzo figures out how to get his guys playing their best ball kind of as we trend towards the end of February into March, uh, cue the John Rothstein meme of, you know, January, February, Izzo, April. But I think the really interesting thing is, yeah, that's Malik Hall has, has 
you know, we, we've talked about him as kind of the heart and soul of the Spartan team, but he hasn't really played like it for the entire for the entirety of this year. Um, and he, he comes back with two really, really good games as, as Michigan State avoids the trap game at Penn State, um, kind of sandwiched in between that big win over Illinois and looking ahead to a, is still an in-state rivalry game against Michigan. But I think the big thing is, especially in that game against Michigan, they won despite shooting two for 14 from three. And they also, you know, they didn't do- have a dominant rebounding game either. So it was, you know, really just getting into the lane, getting to the free throw line and and kind of taking what they could instead of forcing where we saw kind of earlier games this year where they just kind of fell in love with threes that weren't falling. And they still took 14 against Michigan, making two. But, you know, we're able to play solid enough defense um, to kind of mitigate a bad, sh- a, a tough shooting night from outside. Um, and I think that, you know, we've seen them just kind of gain the confidence offensively, and that's carried them a lot. Whereas, you know, in earlier games, like their games against Wisconsin, when the shots weren't falling, uh, they weren't necessarily being as creative offensively. So I still think that the the bigs are a little bit of an issue. Sissoko didn't even take a shot against Michigan, only played eight minutes, and Cooper and, and Kohler combined for seven points. And, and are, we're better across the board rebounding, but um, I, so I still have concerns, especially given the fact that that Penn State and Michigan don't have, I mean, Terrace Reed and Kuzma are, are, you know, solid big men, but there still could be an issue when you run against bigger teams. But they, that with that combined with that win against Illinois, this 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 week was a huge lift for Sparty. And I think you're right. We're really seeing them be the best version of themselves right now. Yeah. So where, where things stand as of today, they sit at nine and six in conference play in a three way tie for third with Wisconsin Northwestern. So they are kind of nipping at the heels of a double buy uh, and, and definitely trending upward. Uh, another team that had a really good week was Illinois. Um, and yeah, it, it definitely feels like Terrence Shannon Jr. has taken the rust off um, with performances of 31 points in their win over Illinois on two and their win over Michigan on Tuesday. And then he led them with 27 on the road at Maryland I want to talk about this Maryland game uh, first and foremost. That's been a uh, a place that Illinois has had a lot of trouble winning at over the last couple of years. And you know, I think the thing that struck me the most about this game is that you know they, they only turned the ball over nine times. You know they they went in um, looking like a team that was you know determined to take care of business. And you know they let Jameer Young get his. You know recent Scott had pretty decent games too you know it's not like it wasn't Illinois best performance from three by any means but um, they did just enough to to get out of there with a win and um, they're they're sitting they're sitting pretty right now in in conference play um, holding on to sole possession of, of second place at 10 and 4 right now they also seem to be trending up at the right time in what really is just a complete reversal of what we've seen on the Brad Underwood era to this point. I mean, they look like a well-coached, disciplined team, um, like we've talked about throughout the year, that it's finally running the system that I think he envisioned when he took this job. What are your thoughts on on where Illinois is at um, with a few weeks left to go in the regular season? Yeah, I could, couldn't have said it much better. They look very comfortable playing at a higher speed. And I know, obviously, a lot of that has to do with Terrence Shannon coming back as he's kind of, you know, the instigator of that of that that fast break that they really like to run. And I mean, Illinois is definitely running at some, some solid pace. There's they're 66 in the country in tempo. And, you know, they're doing that without turning the ball over a ton. They're, they're, you know, 68th in the country in, in turnover percentage. So with, 
while maintaining the fifth fifth most efficient offense uh, all per Ken Palm. And we absolutely had issues and questions about their shooting, but when they're able to get out and run, um, especially against a team like Maryland, where who went four for 18 from three, you know, long rebounds are, are a death sentence against this Illinois team just because of the athletes they have and the, and the lineups they can put out there with, with um, just the ability to finish. So Illinois, you know, 63% from two that game, they, they shot 36 free throws. Um, so even though the jumpers aren't falling, they're able to get to the rim. Basically it will um, against a, you know, a, a Maryland team that has some solid defenders, but you know, it's the same, it's the same thing. Like if you're going to take a lot of threes against Illinois, you better hope you make them or you better just get back on defense because you can't let Illinois gain confidence in the fast break. Um, and when they do with, with Shannon and Hawkins and Domask, I mean, that's, that's a really tough transition offense to stop. A hundred, hundred percent. And, and so, you know, Illinois and Michigan state, I, I think are the, were the two teams from this week that I think d- d- deserve the, the, the MVP awards for just, the, how they made their moves with respect to positioning for um, conference tournament seating and such. However, that being said, I think the the biggest collection of storylines that took place this week sort of surrounded the Purdue Ohio State game that took place on Sunday. Um, one because of the aforementioned firing of Ohio State's coach, who um, you know th- this was their first game under interim coach um, Jake Diebler. You know, but but number two, I mean, I feel like it's taken us 10 minutes in the show to mention this, but, you know, the the number one team in the conference lost in what was a pretty monumental upset. You know, Ohio State that only sits, you know, in, in 13th in the conference right now. There's a whole host of storylines that I feel like I want to get to in this. One being like, <laughs> maybe we need to come back to like Ohio State's tournament resume after this game because they're not like that. Um, as poorly positioned, I think, as like some of the other teams that are trying to play their way under the bubble. But, um, you know, and, and we have the whole Ohio State coaching line that we want to talk about. But when you look at the numbers out of this game, like it, it, it doesn't like look that bad if you're Purdue, right? Like Edie still had, you know, 21 out of 11 shots and 13 rebounds. They out they out rebounded Ohio State by double digits. 14 turnovers maybe is a little bit too much for Purdue. Um, and maybe the bigger story is Ohio State only turning the ball over six times. But what this really was, was an Ohio State team that kept kept Purdue at arm's length and the game was there for the taking at the end. And they took it um, really by just making like one or two more shots than Purdue did at the end. Maybe I'll, I'll ask the question this way and then we can get back to Ohio State. But is is this again, like, do we need to bring up Purdue's woes? historically in the tournament against teams that like aren't as good as them or, or was there something else going on here? I think Ohio state played a pretty solid game and pretty, like you said, Purdue turned the ball over a little bit too much. Um, I mean, so that 14 turnovers you met, you mentioned represents a 22.6% turnover rate. I mean, that's bad. And like, there were some dumb turnovers. Ohio state played, I would say categorically fine to good defense. They were not locking down and really forcing turnovers. I mean, I think Braden Smith and and specifically made a couple bad decisions with some passes. Edie turned the ball over six times, which is kind of just going to happen given that he's 7-4 and trying to put the ball on the floor in the post. But I think this all goes back to say, like, what I said at the, at the very top. Home teams win in the Big Ten 73% of the time this year, like in conference play. 
Ohio State had a great atmosphere. Um, you know, there, there's the kind of the extra juice of of the interim coach in his first game, even if Jake Diebler looked scared out of his mind a couple times, which I totally would be. So I get it. But and I think it, it comes down to Ohio State just hitting a couple shots in games that they hadn't necessarily before. I mean, I think if you look at Jamison Battle's game log, so Jamison Battle had 19 points in, in you know, on good shooting. Um, and he just has not really shot the ball well kind of throughout this conference season. So, you know, it took that. It took Thornton having an efficient game from the from the field. And it took Purdue missing a couple, you know, shooting at a worse percentage from three than they do during most games. And they ran into that problem against Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, so the mid-range jumpers just ne- weren't necessarily there for them. In, in the same way today. So I don't think we need to do the whole indictment on Purdue that the rest of the internet's going to do because it's late. I think it's a little lazy and like, doesn't really tell us anything new. Purdue still, you know, a game and a half up on the Illini in, in the standings. And I think they've, they've lost three games this year. All three of them have been on the road in some truly, you know, amazing atmospheres. And I think, you know, it's it's it was it was a miss some shots kind of game, and I I don't know that I'm I'm sounding any alarm bells here. Besides, necessarily, I think I think the turnovers are something that they really should uh, try to cut down on, like every every good basketball team. But um, apart from that, and Ethan Morton's reluctance to even attempt a shot when he gets a three, I don't really know that there's too much of an indictment on on Purdue after this one. Wow, that's a very measured take there. Um, we're all we're all maturing with age. Let's let's pivot on on another element of this game here. I, I honestly I want to just see the Florida U to talk about the Ohio State like coaching situation and like what comes next here because I I know you're just pining to share your thoughts on it, but I, I think b- before I do that, you know, I, I feel like Holtman deserved to at least like play out the season. Um, you know, and I don't know that like naming an interim uh, assistant does you anything in terms of like trying to get ahead of like what transfer portal stuff might happen as the season ends. Yeah. I think we can debate whether like he deserved to be fired or not. Probably another day, just because I'm, I'm super curious to hear like what your thoughts on this whole coaching situation is, but I'm admittedly a little bit, a little bit surprised. I know Ohio state's been, been on a terrible stretch this year, but they still had time to sort of, you know, at least save their season if they could turn things around. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised at least that, that it happened this early, but I will see the floor to you to talk about the whole coaching drama. I'm actually kind of with you. I think you can't, I don't think you can look someone in the eye and tell them that firing, uh, you know, a power five head coach without plans to like, you know, keep the interim guy around for on a permanent basis with seven games left in the season does anything unless there were some truly bad things going on behind the scenes. And by all indications, there weren't, you know, Holtman's ability as a coach may be in question, but I, it didn't seem like he had really lost the locker room or, you know, there were any, any bad things happening. So I, I, I agree with you in that unless they were really considering Jake Diebler for his first ever head coaching job, which I doubt they were because say what you will about the performance of Ohio state basketball in recent years, but it's still a national brand and they will be able to get a pretty solid coach in there or, you know, a a a higher profile coach than your DePaul's who is, you know, kind of another team that's, that's looking for a coach right now because I, by all indications say that, Ohio State's going to be doing a national coaching search, which they should. Um, and I think that there's going to be some interesting guys. I think you look at like a Greg McDermott, 
you know, I don't know if Sean Miller is, is kind of the direction they want to go, but you look like at an up and comer like Lamont Paris, if you're getting a little bit desperate. Um, what about, what about that data? <laughs> I don't know who wants that less. I mean, you call Dusty May and see if he's willing to kind of come. I like there are kind of some interesting options. You'll call Josh Schertz probably at Indiana State. So there, there are a bunch of interesting people that are apparently looking to make moves. And I, I just yeah, I, I, th- I think that there is no harm to be done in just kind of keeping this because at, at this point it is keeping Holman because I think at, that, at this point you're either trying to vet who you're going to interview or you're just blatantly tampering. And I don't I don't know that you know, five weeks makes that big of a difference. Yeah. So, well, all that I think we can say for sure is clearly getting him out of there gave the team a little bit uh, enough energy to uh, take down, you know, a, a, a top five team um, and, and get their home crowd riled up. So uh, it worked for a game. We'll see if it continues to work going forward. As we wrap up our, our recap here, a few other things that uh, transpired this week that we'll hit on quickly. Um, so, Northwestern, similar to Michigan State, came into this week with sort of a, a tough road slate on tap with um, road contests at Rutgers and at Indiana. Um, and I, I think them going one and one this week is, is really a, a huge win, um, especially given that, you know, they ran into the buzzsaw that was um, Rutgers, the hottest team in the Big Ten um, earlier this week and almost lost, almost almost won that game. Um, there were some controversial calls down the stretch. There was a really weird ejection. Um, you know, obviously Northwestern reeling from the the news about Ty Berry, but I think for them to avoid the avoid the blown lead against Indiana today, to get you know 26 points from Ryan, Ryan Langborg, um, you know they're they're going to have to have other guys step up if they're going to sort of um, continue to claw their way, you know, into continue to maintain and, and claw to keep their double buy in in tournament position. We'll see, but I think good week for Northwestern to go one and one. Minnesota and Rutgers played like a very interesting bubble game in uh, outside looking in bubble game in Minneapolis that um, Minnesota was able to claw out to stop um, what was Rutgers' four game four game winning streak, I believe, at that point. So they lose their first contest in which Jeremiah Williams plays. You know, another really good win for Ben Johnson as he's putting together what really is like a nice you know, rebound year from what's, what's been, you know, a, a rough start to his tenure in Minnesota, but there's, you know, still on the outside looking in at this point, but I think avoiding that loss to Rutgers really helps, helps keep them in it. You know, also wanted to call out the Hawkeyes who had an up and down week this week, um, but they get a home win against Wisconsin who, you know, uh, they stopped their losing streak against Ohio state earlier this week, but then, go and lose in Iowa city on Saturday. I I believe that's five out of six losses for Wisconsin and and they're kind of heading in the wrong direction too. So they're right now sort of muffled in that three-way tie for third with Northwestern and Michigan state. So, yeah, I think a big question in Madison will be, can they turn it around? And, you know, I I think just sort of zooming out, like, I don't know that the like bubble situation has really changed at all in the conference from a week ago, whereas like, I, I think I, I think Nebraska and Northwestern would be in you know, you know today and, and that probably was unchanged from where we stood last week. Nebraska won their lone home game this week against Penn State. You know, and then you've got Iowa, you've got Maryland, you've got Rutgers still sitting there with puncher's chance. And we really hadn't talked about Ohio State for a while on the show given their losing streak, but they're sitting there at sixty-four in the net. 
you know, if, if they can turn this Purdue win into some momentum, you know, they might have a puncher shot at the bubble too. But um, I, I guess before we move on to next week's preview, any thoughts on what's going on in the, the jumbled middle of the conference this week? Yeah, I think – so I think there's – this is the part of the year where we have to start looking at, at tiebreakers and, like, how everything's shaking out because there's there's some of it that's really already settled. Um, so, you know, Wisconsin will have the tiebreaker over both Michigan State and Northwestern, I think, which is which is pretty pretty good for the Badgers, um, obviously just given they're a little bit of a free fall. And I think with them specifically, they played – pretty good offense against Iowa um, minus, you know, the, the, the three point shooting has started to come around. They left a bunch of points on the free throw line, but the, their issue as it's kind of been becoming more apparent ever since that Penn state game is their defense. I think, you know, Iowa only went four for 14 from three. And that's a team that usually relies pretty heavily on their three point shooting. And they did make a metric ton of, um, of, of mid range jumpers, especially contested. I think uh, I, I saw on Twitter that um, they, Iowa at, one point was 82% from the mid-range in the second half, and uh, that led to a, a very high output of scoring. I think there were about 1.4 points per possession in the second half. So, um, you know, they, Badgers were forcing some tough shots, but they also let Owen Freeman really kind of get to the rim at will. Um, so, you know, Wisconsin's definitely got to tighten up that defensive end because the offense is still flowing decently well, um, but you got to make stops on the other end or you're just Iowa, basically. Um, and then, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's another really big win for, for Ben Johnson and, and crew. And I, I, I still think that, you know, those kind of bottom third, te- bottom half ish teams, um, have a long way to go, um, in terms of bubble. But I think, you know, Ben, jo- we've always said that Ben Johnson gets his guys to play hard. And I think they're really seeing the, the results kind of, they're recouping some good results there, which is, which is definitely encouraging to see if you are a Gophers fan, at Northwestern, you mentioned Ty Berry done for the year. It was good to see Ryan Langborg step up, especially after being ejected uh, in that that Rutgers game, which definitely was not deserved. But, you know, they, they need all of their guards to be firing kind of every game. Um, and especially with Bowie having an off game against Indiana, it was good to see Langborg really pick up the slack. All right. That um, ties a bow on our recap before we go to the preview. Um, we will kick it back to Brett for a word from our sponsor. We would like to thank Brewbags Coffee Company for sponsoring this episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. And we'd just like to remind you that you can rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Coffee Company and their single-serving flavored cold brew pouches. So whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, you're trying to save time in your busy morning, or you want to have coffee your way while you're on the road, Brewbags are so easy you can brew them in your sleep, and they are so delicious that you will want to wake up. You can still celebrate Brewbag's launch um, and to get free shipping and 10% off your first order by using code LAUNCH10, that's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0, uh, to take 10% off your order. Uh, thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this podcast. All right, back to the preview. I will kick us off. Two games to talk about on Tuesday. First, Iowa heads to Michigan State. We spent a lot of time at the beginning of the show talking about how Michigan State is heating up and they are really, really tough at home, as everyone knows. In this game, I'm actually looking to the post to see who wins. The matchup down there between Cricky and Owen Freeman against the sort of defensive-minded Michigan State bigs. Um, th- there might be something there that Iowa can exploit um, if they're going to want to kind of make this a game in East Lansing. But 
uh, with, I mean this with all due respect, but I do not necessarily associate like toughness and physicality with this Iowa team. And, um, you know, not only are the big guys going to have to score, but they're going to have to be tough and physical to, um, you know, hang physically with the defensive minded big guys of Michigan state. I think that's a tall, tall task, but I will really, really needs a game like this for their bubble chances. So I think it should be a good one in East Lansing. Um, and then Maryland and Wisconsin have the second game on Tuesday. So Maryland really, really needs this game as well. You know, coming off the loss at home against Illinois, they, they might be a little bit vulnerable. I think we're going to learn a lot about just what sort of fight and makeup they have and what's been a, a really, really like up and down season for Kevin Willard in the second year. Um, but like we talked about, Wisconsin still still sort of reeling. I feel like they've stopped the bleeding at least a little bit, but they get Maryland at home. This is one they need to win, like if they want to sort of prevent the free fall. Uh, stopping Jameer Young is is no easy task. And um, but but I, I think Wisconsin has like the makeup to sort of contain Julian Reese. And, you know, I, I think that AJ Storr done to Scott or like whether Tyler Wall that got, get, gets him like that could kind of be a, a fun matchup, too. I think Wisconsin has too many bullets to, to drop this one at home. But um, we will see. It's a very safe pick to pick the team at home, as as Brett has mentioned about the stats earlier today. So um, back over to you to talk about the Wednesday games. Yes. So a couple of interesting ones on the slate for Wednesday. We have Illinois heading to Penn State, and I actually think they're playing this at a smaller gym uh, on ca- on campus instead of the Bryce Jordan Center. They're playing at Rec Hall uh, per Ken Palm. So I don't know if that uh, the lack of the cavernous you know environment of the Bryce Jordan Center will will harm Penn State actively. Uh, but I mean, this is a game that I I think will be played at a very interesting pace because you know Penn State is not really is is bad. Penn State is bad at shooting and Illinois likes to run off those misses. So, Penn State takes a kind of kind of high amount of threes uh given how bad they are at it and Illinois will look to run off those threes. Penn State's going to try and just force a ton of traps um and and really force the ball out of Terrence Shannon's hands. Um so I you know Illinois has proven adept at not turning the ball over this year, as, as we've mentioned. Um, and so they, they should be able to kind of pick apart that defense and manufacture some, some good looks, but Penn state has a weird way of making things of making things happen, especially at home. Um, and Mike Rhodes has got his guy, his guys will always play really hard. Um, you know, I, I, Kanye Clary was, has been able to get back to work a little bit and play not his normal load, but to, but some, you know, some uh, minutes and that his, his presence will definitely help. Um, but I think Illinois has, has too much size, especially at the guard positions and, and will likely try to overwhelm Penn state. And I think that they'll be able to hit enough shots to make that happen. Then we have the Nebraska Cornhuskers heading to Indiana. Um, this game was not close the last time that these two teams met. Um, but you know, every, everyone uh, everyone knows Nebraska cannot win games on the road. Um, specifically, all their conference losses have come on the road, and it's truly kind of puzzling. But um, you know, Nebraska is sort of figuring it out on defense, and I think that they they are going to be kind of have the the athleticism to bother wear and renew a little bit. Um, Indiana, obviously we have not talked about very much, um, but lost both games last or lost its only game uh, this week to Northwestern. So, you know, they're going to want to kind of 
get things turned around. But and I don't know that I really agree that, you know, teams will quit during the course of a college season. But man, it does not look good for Indiana right now. Um, so I, I think that their offense is not going to be able to keep up. And Nebraska actually might be able to steal this one on the road if they can if they can just hit a couple shots on the road. All right, three games on Thursday. So first, Rutgers and heads to West Lafayette to take on Purdue. So both of these teams coming off a loss. Um, this is kind of for me the how does how does Purdue respond? You know, to um, I mean they haven't actually faced any adversity this year, but how do they respond coming off a loss? Right, um, this Rutgers team is going to make it tough on them. You know, it's going to be lower scoring than they probably want it to be. Um, you know the the Omaruyi Edie matchup could be a fun one, especially if one of those. Well, it, it it could be a fun one if one causes the other to get in foul trouble and like maybe change the cadence of the game, you know. And and just like like we've talked about on this podcast, Rutgers is a different team with Jeremiah Williams playing, and so I, I think that keeps it a little little tighter than you'd expect on the road. You know, we we didn't really talk about this that much either, but like Purdue did not look like world beaters by any means against Minnesota in their other game this week either. So, you know, they're clearly um, showing like a little bit of signs of sluggishness through the dog days of the season. So um, good opportunity for Rutgers again, to try to play themselves on the bubble. Uh, Ohio state goes to Minnesota as well on Thursday. The, the Jamison battle revenge game should, should be a fun one. I think this is, this is a, a good litmus test to see whether Ohio State's performance this weekend against Purdue was a one-hit wonder or whether it has some degree of staying power. I actually think this is a game that's semi-gettable for them, yeah, especially just with the added layer of the, like, Jamison battle going back home. Um, we know they've been reeling, but we know there's newfound energy. But this is also a really, really game, big game for Minnesota, too. If, if they want any puncher's chance of staying in tournament contention, they got to get this one. It's, it's really two teams fighting for their tournament lives, so bubble fans tune in. Um, and then Northwestern, Michigan heads to Northwestern as well on Thursday. Um, this one I don't expect to be as as exciting of a game. I think, you know, Northwestern's lack of offensive firepower without Ty Berry I think might keep this one a little bit closer than people are thinking. But if they get role players to step up and continue to get that in the way that what happened with Ryan Langborg this week. Um, I think Northwestern should have no issues handling the, the team in last place in the conference. Smaller slate on Saturday, only two games, one of which might be the most ambivalent game left on the big 10 schedule as Indiana heads to Penn state. Uh, this one will be in the Bryce Jordan center for, for all those that are curious. I, I think this one's going to be framed as Mike Woodson coaching for his job because I, and I don't know the degree to which he's on the hot seat, but uh, if he wants to stay off the hot seat, he will not lose to Penn state. I, you know, I, I don't really love this matchup for anybody. So I think it should be a relatively close game. Uh, I think, I think Ken Palm has this as, as a four point uh, Penn state win. Um, but I think that the the size of Indiana's front line is going to give Penn State some issues. I mean, Wahab has kind of been hit or miss all season, but he has the size to bother where. So I think Renew is kind of likely to have a, a bigger game. I'm not really sure who on Penn State will be able to to handle him um, as, as Hicks isn't kind of that same, you know, bulkier post player. So I, I, I think that if Indiana can get anything out of its guards um, and I – God knows 
what they're going to get from Mbako or, or Galloway or anybody really, or Gabe cups. But um, if, if, if Indiana can get any decent production and, and not kind of fall victim to Penn state's traps, um, you know, and there's uh, and, and kind of keep control of the ball. I think there's a chance where they can, they can actually get out of there with, with a win. Um, but I, you know, they're going to have to really work and, and, and play together to avoid that. Um, and Penn state is definitely capable of picking anybody off at home, especially if Clary and ball and if, especially if Clary is good to go, because I don't know that Indiana is going to be able to stay in front of him defensively. Then uh, last game on Saturday, we have Iowa heading to Champaign. Um, there will be points in this game. There will be so many points in this game. Um, it's going to be a track meet. Iowa has the shortest possession length in the Big Ten, and Illinois is top 70 in pace as well. Uh, so teams, there are going to there are going to be a lot of threes taken, and both teams are really going to be trying to run off of, you know, the those uh, fast breaks. So off of missed threes. So. I think the interesting thing is going to be whether Owen Freeman can really kind of stay on his game. Coleman Hawkins is a very interesting defensive matchup for him um, and has the athleticism to bother him in a way that guys like Steve Kral can't necessarily. So Freeman's been super impressive this year and, and Iowa's gotten some, some contributions from Brock Harding and, you know, Josh Dix had a good game against Wisconsin, but I think if Iowa wants to win this game, they're going to have to get stops or, just hit all of their threes to avoid the runouts in transition. Um, this game is at Illinois. Uh, I think Illinois will win this game, but I think Iowa could could hang around for a bit and and be pesky. All right, and then four games on Sunday. We'll get through them quickly and get out of here. So first, Maryland heads to Rutgers. So you know this is a big week for Maryland, right? Like they got two road games, two tough road games coming off you know a tough loss to Illinois at home. Like like I said, you know, when we talked about them going to Wisconsin, I mean, this this kind of is their season here. Like they got to go one and one this week if they want any puncher's chance of um, a, a tournament bid. And honestly, I feel like that's a huge tall. That's like a hugely tall task. It's just it is like nails on a chalkboard trying to go to uh, New Jersey and win. And and, and if they're going to win, it's going to kind of have to be on the shoulders of Jameer Young. I do not think Julian Reese is going to have a good game um, with Omarui guarding him. And I mean, Maryland's proven that they're, they're really just a three headed monster this year. Um, you know, and, and Scott doesn't play as well on the road. Like it's going to have to be Jameer Young that rides them to victory here. I think it's tall order, uh, but that's what you're going to have to hope for. If you're a Mar- Maryland fan, like Purdue heads to Ann Arbor. Um, I, I don't know that I have much to say other than, um, if if the Rutgers game for Purdue isn't a get right game earlier this week, the Michigan game will be. So um, good opportunity to for Purdue to get back on track on Sunday in Ann Arbor. Although I will say, you know, Purdue just lost to the 13th uh, team, 13th in the standings um, on the road. So, you know, uh, but there's a huge drop off from team 13 to team 14 this year. Ohio State heads to Michigan State in the third game of the day on Saturday. I think this is a really, really big week for Michigan State, too. I mean, they they come off their tough two-win road, you know, two-road two win week, and they get two games at home that are, you know, fairly winnable. I and mean, we could we could be looking up at the end of this week and see Michigan State alone in third place in the Big Ten. Um, and, and you know, the, the formula, I, I think, has to continue to be the same. It's just, you know, ride Haggard and Tyson Walker – if Hall continues to like look like he's a step quicker than he's been all year, 
you know, and, and the big guys play defense, they'll be fine in this game. And then finally, Minnesota heads to Nebraska to end the day on Sunday. I think this is also a really, really big week for Nebraska. I mean, they've got they've got a chance to pick up two wins. And I think if we could look up at the end of this week, too, and be talking about Nebraska as a potential double-by team as well. And we know they play really, really well at home. Um, I do not think um, Minnesota is going to have much luck going in there on a Sunday just because of that home court advantage that um, N- Nebraska continues to uh, continues to have, you know, in some ways I, I, I would enjoy the, the like prospect of watching the physicality of these two teams go against each other. And, you know, Nebraska is really leaning into like their ultra big lineup that I, I think it could be really, really fun because Minnesota is a more physical team than what people give them credit for. But Minnesota does not have the offensive firepower to hang with Nebraska on the, you know, on the road. And so, uh, again, I'll, I'll say it again, but like Nebraska could could end up in the top four of the conference by the end of this week, um, you know, depending on what happens with some of the other teams there. All right. We are done with today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in for a listen. It's getting close to March here, so the season's almost coming to a close. So stick with us with the rest of the way. I and mean, we'll be back with you next week as always.